Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Sci-Fi Wise Guys. My name is Chris. And my name is Anthony. Here on the Sci-Fi Wise Guys we watch and review science fiction and science fiction adjacent visual entertainment media. Usually of the straight to stream variety, but lately we've been branching out. And one of those things that we uh, decided to do a little callback for is a short film. But before we get into that, my friend, Anthony. Yes. How are you? Chris, my acquaintance. I'm doing okay. Acquaintance. Very rude. How are you doing? Acquaintance. I see. I see. I see. Mostly, uh, I've spent I've spent the day um, crafting. That's the word I'm going to use. Crafting apologies mm. for people. I'm not going to share any of them on this particular episode, but there are some apologies coming. Fair enough. Not for you, Chris. I would never apologize to you. Uh-huh. Well, I don't gonna... care how wrong I am. Uh, well, when you said crafting apologies, I thought you were indicating that you were writing apologies for other people. Oh, no. Those are the people that have something to apologize for, which I do not. No, I'm, no. I have nothing to I mean, apologize for. Ah. <laughs> I think that if you started apologizing, you just wouldn't stop. You know What? I never did anything wrong. Existence. No, I didn't make that movie. So, uh, <laughs> not existence. Uh, existence. <laughs> Ex- I'm sure there. I'm sure there is a movie called <laughs> Existence, but it was funnier that way. Uh, I do want to. I do want to follow up uh, before we jump into uh, James Cameron's glorious short film. I drove out of town this past weekend. I went to. I went to Austin for a Greatest Generation live show. Mm. I have some horrible pictures, and by horrible, I mean um, the lady who works at the theater who was taking the pictures took them off center and at an angle, so they're we're like it looks like we're it's they're real bad. <laughs> they're Fair just enough. framed horribly. Uh, regardless, uh, and then I also drove around the north side of town, or yeah. So I went north and I went south. I didn't see any corn, so I've, I, I'm not saying there's no corn around, Christopher. I'm just saying that. I went north and south, so now I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go east and west uh, this next weekend. I'm actually going west. East. So you think east? No, okay. I know it's east. <laughs> okay, I have very little reason to go east. So I'll see if I can come up with an excuse uh, to find that. I'm just trying to find it. That's all. I'm just trying to find it. Google is your friend. <laughs> it's more interesting just to get in your car and drive in a direction and be like, nope, just cotton. Fair, just cotton. But other other than that, no. Uh, live show was awesome. If you're a fan of this pod which I don't know why you would be, uh, then you would be a fan of the Greatest Generation podcast or the Greatest Trek, the the, the duo there. Uh, and the live show is great. They reviewed Star Trek V, The mm. Final Frontier. It's a good movie. It is a movie. We'll review it one day. One day we'll just do all of the Treks in, <laughs> in order. Sure. I think Star cool. Trek V might be the last movie we ever review on this podcast. Like if we were like, oh the, man, this is done. We're going to capstone it with Star Trek five. It'll be a three hour long review where we deep dive the (laughs) stupidest things and mostly just riff on Shatner. Um, Hey man, Uh, his probably his best acting is in that movie. Think so? Like that scene where he's talking, he's a, he's like, you can't take away my pain. I need my pain. Like just like his performance. That's bad. In that scene Uh, is really We're here to talk about James Cameron. I'm not sure how it's bad, but sure. <laughs> not Shatner's direct. No, Shatner's best acting was in a Priceline commercial. Land. Moving on. Land. Moving on. Maybe in that Twilight Zone episode. Why don't you tell the people what we watched, Christopher? We watched the 1979 short film Xenogenesis. Sorry, 1978. Yeah. Oh, where I got starting off from. with alternative facts. 
Uh, Xenogenesis is a 1978 Canadian-American science fiction short film directed by James Cameron. It stars William Wisher Jr. and Margaret Umbel. It looks like that Margaret's name may have been misspelled on more than one occasion because if you just check out the search, mm. it also indicates Margaret Undel. Oh, like U N D or U N B? U N D E U N D I E L and U N. Sorry, U M B E L. See, I'm interesting. I wonder if that was. Uh, we can look into that if you like. I wonder if that was deliberate. You know, like maybe she was doing an alternate spelling for whatever reason. You know, actors. Yeah. Uh, blurb for this one. A woman and an engineered man are sent in a gigantic sentient starship to search space for a place to start a new life cycle. Raj decides to take a look around the ship. He comes across a gigantic robotic cleaner. Combat ensues. This has got a 5.4 on, on IMDb and 1,300 ratings. Uh, it is got a median... Oh, no, excuse me, an unweighted mean of 5.6. So it's you know, sitting at 5 and 6 for most of the uh, most of the votes. So if you turn these votes sideways, this this uh, line bar chart, yeah. Space Invader-ish. Yeah, very, pretty Space Invader. I, I'll take it. Okay. Um, I didn't look for it on um, Metacritic because there's no way, because I didn't get a release, or on Rotten Tomatoes for the same reason. I did, however, find it on Letterboxd, where it's sitting at a 2.8 or the equivalent of a 5.6. Um, and it's got the exact same blurb. Uh, so I'm, not, I've, I'm gonna go out on a limb, Christopher, and say that not a lot of people have seen this <laughs> or even know that it exists. You can what find a, it on the YouTube. What a brave statement. Yeah, well, I don't think it's that brave. I don't think I'm, I'm going out on a very large limb. <laughs> yeah. It's very it's actually sturdy. Just, actually, just in the treehouse still. Yeah, just by uh, by uh, by the limb. I mean my front porch, <laughs> the, the patio that I chopped the tree down to make. The only versions of this that you can find, like so, they're on they're on YouTube and a few other uh, video hosting websites. So if you go to Wikipedia and look up Xenogenesis, it has an entry and actually links to the film, so you can watch all eleven minutes and fifty seven seconds of it. Uh, and it has a timer on it, like printed the entire time. Um, like the runtime, like it's a screener type copy. It's not quote unquote finished. Uh, he made it on a budget of 20 grand in his living room, which I have not done the math, but 20 grand in 1978. Let's see. From a dentist. From a, yeah, he borrowed it from a, a dentist. I like it's not even his dentist yeah. or like his cousin who happened to be a dentist. The Wikipedia yeah. article just says a dentist. <laughs> I wonder how that comes across. Like I've worked with a few dentists for my job and I never just thought to like, yeah, 20 grand. I got yeah. this really cool idea for a movie. <laughs> Let's see. 20 grand in 1978 would be the equivalent of $94,413.80. And like, it's such a weird thing to think that James Cameron, his first writing and directing project, his first project has a higher budget than a, a lot of the movies and projects that we <laughs> review on this podcast. Um, I wouldn't say that. And then a lot of them. Uh, I mean, a hundred grand is the entire FP franchise. But yeah, but that's maybe said, all of maybe all of Jason of. Trusts. <laughs> you said a lot of. And well, then you I, named six movies. <laughs> I, I bet if we look through, I mean, we've just done a lot of independent films, a lot of short films that were made on some shoestring budgets, um, a lot of labor of loves, and some others that weren't so great. Um, they didn't come from a, a good place, if you will. Uh, but no, it's just interesting that he started off with like 
just I don't know. Is he enigmatic? Is he charismatic enough to just walk up to a dentist office and ask for money for a film? You know, it, it's just interesting. It's very interesting. I mean, like it's so if you look at James Cameron's uh, Wikipedia page, sure. After borrowing money from a consortium of dentists, so number one, mm. two conflicting stories. Who who do we believe, James? Who? Which Wikipedia um, article do we believe? Yeah. Um, <laughs> fu- fun story about old James Cameron. Went to college to study physics, dropped out, smoked a lot of pot, some LSD, was a truck driver, saw Star Wars, and was like, cool, that's what I want to do the rest of my life. <laughs> so, I also saw Star Wars at one point in my life and said, yeah, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> just watch I meant Star fly Wars a starship. <laughs> yeah. He meant make movies. Yeah. A lot, uh, just infinitely more realistic, yeah, you, for sure. I wanted to uh, have a series of maneuvers, which is listfully... You know, careening to the left. I mean, you don't know what type of electronic countermeasures are going on in that. Sure. Uh, he moved right into their uh, blind spot. Sure. Let's get back to Xenogenesis there. Um, so 12 minutes, roughly. Um, yeah. If you find this on YouTube, one of the versions that I found on YouTube that you watched, I assume, the mm-hmm. sound cuts out at 10 minutes, but I found another copy in which the sound does not cut out. Well, uh, Interestingly enough, yeah, I found that. And when I got to that part, I said, oh, there has to be a better copy of this somewhere. So I found it. I found it embedded through a different player, not a YouTube, linked to an article that's archived, but linked on Wikipedia from from this from Xenogenesis. So I was like, oh, okay, this has got to be the good one, but it has the exact same problem at the exact yeah. same times. So they're all pulling from the same source. But you gave me a link that didn't have any issues. Because yeah. it actually cuts out twice. Quality's At least. not great, but I wonder if that's because the only existing copy was on reel to reel and then eventually got moved to digital. So oh yeah. You see some scan lines in there for it's, sure. It's a smart effect. It is uh it is in glorious two forty P and I doubt that it's in full two forty P. Like yeah. it's a cop like at this point not only was it obviously lo- uh, a home movie in nineteen seventy eight, it's already gonna be low quality, but the version that we're seeing is I, I suspect been copied multiple times and you lose just a tiny bit of fidelity every single time but you have been surprised if like a commercial for kfc came on like right at the end when the movie ends <laughs> kfc maybe yeah i was just thinking of carl's jr no not so much i would have been like <laughs> oh okay <laughs> so uh xenogenesis interesting film in and of itself uh before we deep dive into the film because we really isn't much to deep dive into uh Two sure. principal actors, two actors entirely, um, mm-hmm. shot entirely in his living room. Yeah, cool, cool. I'm not sure how that. Still not, still not picking up how that worked. Um, interesting model work. Very interesting model work. Very good model work, actually. Yeah. Well, it just, you know, I think that's always been his purview. You know, like what he's really good at, which is set pieces and action sequences. Oh, I mean, when you mentioned that he was inspired by Star Wars, which is, yeah arguably some of the best sci-fi model work that exists right. is George Lucas's original Star Wars trilogy. Right. So him being inspired by that, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. He would put a lot of care into it. But I was actually very, very impressed with the, like, the movement of the walker and uh, the giant evil Wally. I mean, as they're Wally, combating... Yeah. I thought it was Rob. I, I wrote down both. <laughs> I wrote down... <laughs> In my notes, the Gyro first Mike. thing I said is like, oh, it's like a giant Rob. <laughs> and then later I referred to it as Evil Wally. Yeah. Uh, he just wants to play Gyro Mike. That's all. Yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> if I could do, be doing that right now, I would be, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> With a broken Rob. 
Uh, have you ever played with a Rob? No. I me neither. I've always it's one of those things where it's like I had the probably chance. doesn't work very well, but I still want the running pad and the power glove and the Rob because it looks cool. I had a chance to buy one I think a few years ago. Oh. Someone was selling it locally on oh nice Facebook Market, and I was like, you know, I could use a Rob the robot. But I could also use a hundred dollars. So hundred dollars. I don't know. But I mean, I guess it probably wouldn't have worked if it's if it's clean. <laughs> uh, so he he co-wrote this with uh, Randall Frakes, who he worked with for years afterwards. Um, frequent he, collaborator, yeah. Frequent collab, frequent collaborator, indeed. Kind of like me and you. Randall Frakes also, I love that, he, in addition to working in special effects and some writing, he did the novelizations for Terminator mm. and Terminator 2, which I think is really interesting. Like, I do this, but I also write, and my my buddy, <laughs> my good buddy James Cameron needs somebody to do novelization, I'm in, right? I think that's really, really cool. That's really, really cool. The first minute of this movie, exactly 60 seconds, I timed it. Credits. Cool. Uh, and then it is storyboards with uh, voiceover. Not bad, but it definitely sets up a lot. There's yeah. a good couple minutes of exposition. And then it's Raj, the bionic man, uh, yeah. who spends most of this film hanging off the ledge of a giant catwalk because, because he was so inspired by Star Wars. And Star Wars is like, you don't need railings <laughs> above giant pits. That well, doesn't make any sense. To be fair... They did come across a derelict starship, so it's not like oh, humans okay. designed this spacecraft. Yeah, it has got the giant robot who's been doing the dusting and keeping everything up up to date. So you know, you know what? I will I will give James Cameron and and Mr. Frakes the slight slightest bit of grace that I will not give George Lucas <laughs> if we're being clear, just slightly more. Yeah. So. He, I love the way he pushed his foot up to make it look like he was dangling off the oh, ledge yeah. and not oh, yeah. just like laying down <laughs> on a table, <laughs> on a table or something. Or like shelf. he did a really good job of trying to like make it look like he was falling. Yeah, good acting. Um, <laughs> I I like in my notes I wrote down this inspired Solid Snake and all the hanging. Oh, like Hideo Kojima saw this movie and was like, oh, I can bet I could bet a character Kojima. that could hang on a ledge for eight minutes. <laughs> No, there's he's a collaboration. He's on there for a long time. He's on there, like, and then he gets almost up and then falls right back down. Yeah. Now, yeah. they sidelined him hard. The plot is that Raj, open parentheses, an engineered man trained to deliver humanity from the final cataclysm, close parentheses, and Lori, open parentheses, a woman raised by a machine, but she alone knew the power of love, close parentheses, are sent in a giant, gigantic, sentient starship to space for a place to start a new life cycle. So, if he's a bionic man, that makes a lot of sense that he might be able to hold himself up. Oh, so I think absolutely. in one of the storyboard pictures, in fact, if you Google or Bing, if you're a filthy degenerate, if you Bing this movie, a lot of the pictures show him with like robotic hands. Interesting. Like that, that if you go over one image, yeah, that one right there. So it would make sense not... if he's got, if he, if he's, he's got cybernetics, right? Sure. That he would be able to hold himself, but that doesn't really come across in the movie. Um, and it could just be the quality. But he's the yellow jumpsuit really just attracts the eyes. So yeah, I was gonna say it's a little bit. Yeah, you can kind of see it there. It's really hard to get stills of this. Um, but you can kind of see it. And here, look, there's 70 screenshots for this unreleased short film from 1978 in IMDb. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to. I don't throw around the word privilege a lot, but geez, 
Way to go, James Cameron. I'm just going to click through these as, as we're talking. There's giant Wally. Yeah. Uh, but no, for sure. This interesting movie, William Wisher, who played Raj, um, went on to have a really interesting career. I don't know if you looked him up. Um, I did not. He's got a couple cameo roles. He is an LAPD officer um, known as L- 1L19 who gets incapacitated by the Terminator. Oh, uh, in Terminator cool. 2, he plays a man shopping with his girlfriend and, take picture, and takes pictures. The guy who's just standing there clicking constantly, that's him. Okay. Um, he also mm. wrote additional dialogue for the Terminator. He wrote this, He wrote Terminator 2 along with James Cameron. Oh, okay. He's the story and screenplay for Judge Dredd. They can't uh, all be winners. <laughs> a screenplay of the 13th Warrior, which is a fantastic movie, which we should watch. Exorcist, The Beginning, Live Free or Die Hard, and I.T., also is credited as the ghost script doctor for the first two Die Hard. Oh, die okay. Hard with a Vengeance and Live Free or Die Hard, for which he was also an executive producer. Okay, so, so he's uh, he's definitely done some things then. Yeah. Good Uncredited for him. revisions. Revisions, sorry. Pumpkinhead, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Die Hard with a Vengeance, I already mentioned it. Broken Arrow, Eraser, Mercury Rising. Also, oh, that is hard to look at. Ooh, yeah. Ugh. Also, um... Unmade project wanted. To, I guess he was writing a movie called Rainbow Six. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I hear that. I mean, uh, did you watch? Sorry, we're going to talk about Tom Clancy for the next forty-five seconds. If you can't go ahead and skip ahead, uh, did you watch Without Remorse, the Amazon Prime original movie with Michael B. Jordan playing John Clark? No. Okay. I heard it was decent though. It's pretty good. It's pretty yeah, good. I heard it was John Clark fun. is Rainbow Six, so or he's leader of Rainbow Team, uh, and they. Uh, in the end, like during the credits or the very last scene, I can't remember which, he starts trying to recruit for Rainbow. Mm. So, all right. Welcome we back, the, everyone who skipped ahead. We should play those games again sometime. <laughs> I actually, all right, go ahead and skip ahead another uh, 45 <laughs> seconds. I actually did start playing Rainbow Six Vegas a week oh. or two ago. Uh, it, 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 it aged. It aged. <laughs> The second one's better. It is, but I was like, oh, I've never... That's the thing. The second one's always been better, and I've never actually beaten the first one because I always give up partway through Mm. because I'm like, I hate this. Okay. Uh, But uh, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Let's just uh, looking through these. Look at that rat. It looks like a rat. Yeah, the interesting, the the crawler's uh, command pod or whatever, like her, like the... The motion controls, like how her mighty Morphin command pod. Well, no, I just like I guess the like is if yes, you, yeah. like you can't have a joystick, right? If you're trying to command four independent legs, right? Um, so right. it was just it was fascinating that that's what they chose, which is to have. Um, so we can get a better. Yeah, there you go. Like like a, a piece of workout equipment, like the yeah. pulleys. Um, I wonder if she's probably got some at her feet as well. Sure, They're probably it, it, you know that um, April O'Neil jumpsuit is necessary. <laughs> To keep it going. Well, like if you watch any of the Gundam shows or mm. read any of the mangas, if you're also a filthy degenerate, um, <laughs> whenever they're in the cockpit, they they obviously they have foot pedals for their legs, but they have yeah. joysticks for their arms. Um, and so I, I would also assume that she has some kind of foot pedal. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. And her but mining laser there. But which one does that control? Does it control the back legs? Does it control the front legs? Uh, the way she punches and then it hits them. With the front leg, I'm yeah. thinking that the the legs, her legs control the back legs, and her arms control the front legs. Why are there six pedals if there's only four directions? <laughs> uh, these are all good questions that will never be answered. <laughs> um, do you? I mean, this like I said, it's 12 minutes. The first minute is credits. There's a little bit of credits at the end, so it's it's really it's 
10, like less than 11 minutes. 9.45, yeah. Something like that. Uh, would you... It, it, it's, it does the cardinal sin of a short film in that it is not an entire story. It's a pitch, right? It's, it's not a... It doesn't have a beginning, middle, and end. It has exposition set up. It has one action scene to show you. It's really just him trying to show off what he can do right. with the with a little bit of money and some miniature effects and you know some of the shots and whatnot. Which miniatures and the shots of making them look big, excellent. Uh, there, but there weren't like any shots in particular that stood out to me as going, oh wow, like showing off really. Um, and then there's really no ending. Like it just kind of ends after they beat that. Do they be evil Wally? Do they? Uh, or maybe, who knows? It's ambiguous. And that's the point, is that I have uh, I have talked down on a lot of short films that do this exact same thing. Like, when I look for a short film, I'm not looking for a pitch or... or, or uh, there's another word I'm looking for uh, in there, but I'm looking for something with a beginning, middle, and end. Something with a complete story. I don't mind if right. it's a little open-ended, because a lot of stories are. Uh and and so here I'm kind of torn because I know what James Cameron went on to do after this, right? Mostly good things. And then uh, he ruined his legacy with Avatar. And eh. 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 but so I can see where like I can see the influences. I can see where he's exercising and learning so I can appreciate that. But at the same time, if this was if this was the only thing he ever did and we just happened to find it. Even if it had been cleaned up and and it looked good, right? And it was in solid 240p or four, or maybe even you know something a little better. And this was decent. I would be like, no, don't watch this. This is a waste of your time. It's not going to go anywhere. Uh, so as a short story or a short film, I don't think this is worth the price of subscription. There's so many better short films to watch with your 10 minutes. Dust yeah. is full of them. A quick Google search will give you tons of lists. On the other hand, as a review of James Cameron, well, like renowned writer, director, producer, what have you, filmmaker, I, I got to recommend it. I got to say, oh, yeah. yeah, if you have 10 minutes, it's very interesting to see where he started. So that's why I'm, I'm a little conflicted. I, I think I can easily, well, it may not solve your conflict, shun, whatever. Um, conflict? But an easy way to really give him a pass because mm -hmm. this movie was made in 1978 sure and it is ambitious with a capital a like i watched recently because we talked about it when we watched planet of the vampires mm -hmm. um i'm fascinated by old movies and yeah. uh, it's one is on it's on max right now shout out max way better than hbo ever was um the app at least yeah. uh the marketing and the name, yeah, no, everything and the else emails is terrible. I get that I don't know what they yeah, are. Everything yeah. is terrible, but the app's great. Um, Journey to the Moon, which okay. I believe came out in 1921, is a French film. It's silent. The only thing that's in it is music. And in 21 minutes, uh, a bunch of French people were able to tell me a story about people like shooting a cannon at the moon, going there, and realizing that there's a bunch of crazy devils there, and then they return. <laughs> so, okay, um, it's a it was a landmark film. And really inspired probably a whole generation of people who then in turn inspired a whole other generation of people. And then we have James Cameron. Sure. The difference is, is that Xenogenesis has never been given that big, um, it's, it's, it, it's not culturally significant in sure. the same way that a lot of these other movies are. 
it was never I, released. I mean, it can't well, be right. But, but yeah, but th- there are plenty of other like movies that go to ki- the Cannes Film Festival that jumpstart mm. the careers of plenty of other people. And in some ways that those movies either are re- revered or whatever. But I guess what I'm trying to say is like what this movie really did is just give us James Cameron. And I think that sure. it, 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 if you look at the time constraints, especially when it was made, how for how much money it was made in the way it was made, I think it's quite impressive. I would say it's worth the price of subscription solely based on that. Yeah, you could say that you could watch a bunch of, you could watch four <laughs> short films on <laughs> Dust probably um, that would be way better with the exception of Biopunk. We've reviewed several, yes. But I, I think the the problem is, is those movies are made in the last 20 years. Yeah, um, they're inspired by this Sure. They're not really yeah. starting anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, they might be starting some careers, but I, I, they're not necessarily, we don't know yet if they're going to start a movement or a renaissance in this or that, or just influence somebody else who's going to go on to make the next big thing right? Uh, in art, whether that's science fiction or not. Right. I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, and I am, I am going to give it a, give it the pass. I'm not going to, I'm not upset with it. I, I understand that a lot of short films are, this way for a reason they are what they are uh it is a medium to get the their work out there my misgivings aside this obviously accomplished its goal yeah it obviously accomplished its goal uh, and while you were talking while you were um well making a very good argument uh i looked up dark star the john carpenter movie that started off as a student film um produced in the early 70s, 70 to 72. It had a final budget of $60,000 after it got picked up to be made into a full full length film. Um, and it, it just, it has a beginning, middle and end. I think, I think it mostly has a middle and then it has like a quick beginning and a quick end. The movie doesn't know what's going Like well, it's several I, different movies, but it, it, you were talking about the budget and what he's able to do. And I guess as, cause if I recall dark star, he started making it. Yeah. Well, he was, I mentioned already. Who's, a film student. So he has yeah. some resources and he's done some practice work and understands some things. Um, it's just the, it's the one thing that I would, cause it's John Carpenter's first film. It's O'Bannon's first film to write. And so, which then both of them would go on to be just as, if not more influential than James Cameron. Um, and it's the one thing that aesthetically, I think it's, this reminds me the most of just the way the models work okay. and some of the, I, the camera angles that. and whatnot. The dark star isn't a short film. No, it's not. It's not yeah. at all. No. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you were talking about bigger films that were influential and, and him starting oh, yeah. off and whatnot. And this is the start of a, a different set of filmmakers. Um, that's just, it is a bit different. You're, and you're right. A film, uh, a student film can lead to the same type of success that a, a short film can. It's just, they're coming from different places. Yeah. Um, I just was really interested in what the budget was. I could not remember the yeah. budget for Dark Star. Another reason why we should do a, a James Cameron deep dive we, mm-hmm. we talk, if we can go ahead and just talk about it on the pod, feel free to cut this if you want. No. Um, doing the Abyss, that'd be a lot of fun. You mm-hmm. said we could do other stuff that he's been tangentially related to. You talked sure. about, um, an, not Angel. Yeah, Dark Angel. Called. Dark Angel, yeah. Uh, Battle Beyond the Stars? Yeah. Roger Corman hired him to work on it. I can't find what he did. <laughs> but Battle Battle Across the Stars is supposed to be like the the first response to Star Wars outside oh, okay. of T outside of Star Trek Muslim picture in much sure. in the way that like it's one big space opera as opposed to Kirk staring at a view screen for <sighs> two and yeah. a half hours. 
That is, you just described it. We've reviewed the motion picture. Yeah, I don't see it on any of his credits. I wonder if he, I wonder if he actually ended up doing any of the work on it. I don't know. It just says like um, uh, the dentist pulled out of the project based on the screen demo, which is, I guess, the reason why it didn't actually get released sure. full, full on. But Roger Corman was sufficiently impressed with Cameron to impress to hire Cameron to work on Battle Beyond the Stars and Piranha Two. <laughs> Piranha Two. So, I mean, I think that's the first movie he directed. Yeah. Uh, so, well, yeah. If you don't count, I mean, Term like Terminator. Uh, sorry, uh, G Xenogenesis. Yeah. Yeah. Which so. yeah, full length for sure. Let's see. Special effects were designed by James Cameron, so he did yeah. special effects for Battle Beyond the Stars. So, which I mean, based off of this and looking at the the uh, the cover or the uh, the poster, excuse me, for Battle Beyond the Stars, I can see why they did that. If we go to his IMDb page, is he credited? We go over here, art department. No. Visual effect. Where I'm looking for it, I don't see it. Go to the left. Did I miss it? No. Visual effects. Battle Beyond the Stars, yeah. 1980. Additional director of photography, special photographic effects, miniature design, and construction. I'm gonna pull up that poster and put so, that on the screen. That here. is a movie that I have I have wanted to see for my own personal interest for a long time, but definitely something we should watch in the pod uh, for two yeah. reasons. One, Roger Corman made it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The 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 um the the so called king of cult uh and the fact that it's a straight up B movie like in almost every 100%. sense of the phrase well, so. battle beyond yeah got it yeah. <laughs> uh this is great I, I love this was a, a great um kind of cleanser if you will uh, what is it when you uh you get the the taste of something out of your mouth palate cleanser yeah this is a palate cleanser thank you after horror and space month. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward. Maybe we can get into some more classic films. We're going to try to do some more off-the-wall stuff, uh, classic or otherwise, and more maybe some more independent stuff as we uh, as we near uh, the end of this season. Uh, you know, we're only a handful of episodes away from episode 200, uh, which if we had counted correctly, we'd be well past 200, but we didn't. So we're coming up on episode 200. Maybe we'll do something special for that. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll forget all about it. Uh, but we, if you have suggestions for anything that you think needs to get more talk or you think we might find interesting or is really bad and you want to punish us for some reason, uh, you can email us your suggestions, sci-fi-wiseguys at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on any of the social medias except for Facebook. Stay healthy, stay hydrated, and um, don't try to fight a giant Rob the Robot. Without your own giant Rob the Robot? I don't know. Who wins in a fight, Rob or Wally? That's all the time we have today. Thanks, everybody. Wally. Have a good one. Easy. The angle has landed. That's obviously Rob. He's bigger. Are they? Size is everything. I mean, Rob is a toy, I guess. He doesn't have any. <laughs> yeah. It's heavy agency. <laughs>